Welcome to Hearing the Pulitzers, a piece-by-piece, episode-by-episode exploration of the winners of the Pulitzer Prize in Music, with hosts Andrew Grenade and David Thurmeyer. Welcome to Hearing the Pulitzers, episode 11, where we're traveling to 1953 and what should have been the 11th winner of the Pulitzer Prize in Music. So this is going to be a time for us to throw our normal structure out the window because in 1953 there was no Pulitzer Prize in music awarded. Very strange. Uh, there, and it's not because there, the, the, the jury didn't recommend anything. Uh, it's, it's, they actually did recommend some winners and three third place winners here that we're going to talk about briefly. But uh, the, it was more of a maybe a political thing i mean that we don't there's really not any information i was thinking this would be a great article topic for somebody or a you know someone wrote to write a dissertation on the pulitzer prize and focus on these odd years where they didn't award anything but uh, we'll come was, back to this in the 1960s there'll be two more days and on just every once in a while there'll be a a no winner <laughs> pulitzer prize but they're pretty tight-lipped what we know is what the music committee did and and their recommendation, but we don't know what happened when it then gets to the Pulitzer board and they're making their decisions. That's very hush-hush, closed doors, lock the windows, don't (laughs) let anyone hear what's happening. Yeah. (laughs) So we have some speculations, but I think it's more interesting to see who might have won, who was the recommendation, and then we can talk about what other pieces could have even been considered that year because there's some interesting pieces that, looking back on it now, 70 years later, seem important. Definitely. And what we could probably start with the official word here. Start with the letter from you-know-who. Chalmers Clifton. <laughs> Chalmers. I don't know what we're going to do whenever he's finally stepped down. <laughs> I know, I know. Chalmers. But it is fascinating. I mean, here we are, uh, you know, 11 years into the Pulitzer Prize. He's still the chairman of the jury. Yeah. Which means that there's a certain aesthetic. And we've seen this. There's a certain aesthetic that he likes, the people he's going to get on the board are going to be people connected to this aesthetic. And so we've seen this very much New York kind of centric, um, trained by people like not by Nadia Boulanger. I mean, right, this kind of neoclassic aesthetic is very much what was awarded and partially because here's a good old Chalmers Clifton. <laughs> yeah, and then last time we had the first nepotism award when we talked about Gail Kubik, who had studied with previous Pulitzer Prize winners like Walter right. Piston, and so it's becoming kind of the really nepotistic... Uh, it only bl- took a decade. It only took a decade to get it that way. And so, I, I, you know, funny you say that. I think that it's the, the light bulb went off here. I wonder if that may be part of the reason why this year didn't work, because... Uh, it, it, well, these are three names that, I mean, we had to dig to find out who these people were. Unlike the previous 10 years where, I mean, even with Gail Kubik, you hadn't heard any of his music. Right. I knew of him, and um, there was a certain celebrity just because of all of his work in Hollywood. These three are really obscure. Well, well at least two of them are for sure. Uh, I, I, okay, one of them is that's true. Yes, uh, but the other, the other two definitely. And so I'll read to get into that point. Let's. Here's what uh, our good friend Chalmers had to say: the music jury. Oh, this is the Dean Carl Ackerman of Columbia again. The the music jury of the Pulitzer Prize Committee has chosen Symphony Number no. Two in One Movement by Joseph Wood for the 1953 award, performed at the Oberlin Festival, February 27, 1953. 
The second and third places in the final balloting went to Bohuslav Martinu for his short opera The Marriage, performed on NBC television in 1953, and Vittoria Giannini for his long opera The Taming of the Shrew, performed in a concert version. Uh, and then Mr. Wood's work on a preferential ballot received eight votes, Mr. Martinu's opera six votes, and Mr. Giannini's Taming of the Shrew four votes. There was no sharp difference of opinion. So they gave this recommendation for Joseph Wood, who we'll talk about briefly in a minute here, and they gave it to, as you said, to the advisory board, and they didn't bite. So that was it. That was it. Yeah. And I found a little just a little bit before we recorded here, I found a document here. Uh, that says it's in a, a book called Musical Composition Awards 1943 to 1999. And under 1953, it says there's a, a actual page here, names of the board members voting for, quote, no award. Mm. Yes, and there's, I've never heard of any of them except Carl Ackerman, uh, but the rest are all, oh, and Joseph Pulitzer, the second, also voted no. Right. And then all the rest are either newspaper reporters or looks like some Columbia officials, uh, but I never heard any of these names. So there's 12, 13, 14 names on this list. So we know who the no votes were. Yeah. yeah they know well, what's the no interesting votes is were. if you look at the report they give, the jury even says, uh, for the first time, an award has been recommended for a composer who is relatively unknown hereabouts. Right. This may be a healthy departure for the music jury and in accord with frequent awards in other categories. So it sounds like what they thought they were doing was what they should be doing, which is finding great pieces by obscure people, bringing them up to the level of the Pulitzer, giving them a platform, and helping them on the career. Because Joseph Wood was very early in his career at this point. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and that's, that's what I was thinking, that, that maybe the the board, the, the big board, advisory board, didn't want that to happen because they were all about giving it to people who were pretty well-known or at least had had some success. And Gail Kubik, I, I didn't know, but I know he certainly had some success before. So, And then here we have Joseph Wood, who this is the first time you and I have ever heard of him. And ever. Never. <laughs> and never hear from him again. Right. And yet it's... Uh, Maybe they didn't go for it. the The board didn't think it was a too, it was a prestigious enough person to win or something. I don't know. It's it's odd. So we should talk a little about who Joseph Wood was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the piece itself that was um, supposed to be awarded was the Symphony Number no. Two, uh, which you can find a recording of, and it's fine. <laughs> It's fun. Well, you should read the uh, uh, the report from the jury because they say just that. This short <laughs> symphony is fresh and pleasant in its harmonic dress. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's that's, fine. <laughs> that's what they're basically saying. It, it is pleasant. I mean, you can hear that he uh, definitely had some compositional chops, but nothing to write home about. No. And my favorite line from their description is, it is a work that the unsophisticated listener would enjoy. Is that something we've heard yet by about any of the other previous winners? I don't think it's so. It's something you would want to have on in the background while you're <laughs> eating dinner if you don't want to disturb what you're listening to. I mean, that's... Basically, yeah. Yeah. So, not, not very uh, 
Oh, uh, damning with faint praise again, shall we say? <laughs> That's exactly what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, um, but there is a little bit of nepotism here because uh, Wood was a student at Columbia, so he has that connection. Um, and he studied with previous winners. So, I mean, those kinds of things that seem to go in Gail Kubik's favor went against Joseph Wood, and probably because, I mean, he was so young, born in 1915. Yeah. So he, he had only been out of school, really. With He graduated his MA in composition in 1950. <laughs> so fresh out of school, unknown, and maybe the board didn't want to honor someone like that. Yeah, that could be. I, I Especially... Uh, also, maybe because Joseph Wood was an Oberlin composer. He was, yes, he was in New York and had the Columbia pedigree, but then he also went to become a professor at Oberlin and worked out there, wrote other, like, worked, wrote music for Brigadoon and helped with Lowe and Lerner and Lowe. And, uh, wrote Muzak, we discovered. Yes, wrote Muzak. He was the first, one of the first people to write Muzak. So, in a funny way, he had a pretty good career, but maybe it was just a, a instance of timing or just where the board was at the time. I don't know. To have two winners in a row who weren't real famous maybe was just too much for them. Yeah. So. Well, and it's also interesting because, I mean, there's number two, Martin Yu. Of the three, that's the name you know, and wrote an opera for NBC television. Right. which is something that we have come back around to because we talked about that with uh, Giancarlo Minotti, mm -hmm. this idea of writing opera for television, having it out there. Now, the opera for television that Minotti is most famous for, Mall and the Night Visitors, didn't win the Pulitzer Prize, uh, but it shows that he was operating at a level of a previous Pulitzer Prize winner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, the choice of, of Martinu was kind of an interesting one because he was Czech and uh, was... Did, was not an American citizen, so it would have been the right. first piece, I guess, to potentially win by a non-American, but the piece was premiered here, and Martinu lived here for a long time. So kind of interesting there. Uh, it's actually a good opera. I, I ended up listening to it. Uh, I didn't find the English version, so I was listening to the Czech version, uh, but it's it's pretty good. And then the third person, I only know the name Vittoria Giannini from the band world, because I think he wrote a band symphony if I remember correctly, and I, I, that's as far as I know about him. But he gets a good review as well from the jury <laughs> that says uh, in his opera Taming of the Shrew, uh, with Shakespeare, of course, the composer has again adapted his own libretto, shortening the Shakespearean text but retaining the language and flavor of the original, blah, blah, blah. Uh, his gift for opera should make him a formidable contender in that field. So, so swing and a miss. Swing and a miss on all three. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting that the, the board would choose not to award a prize. For whatever reason, if it's that they didn't feel like any of these pieces were up to snuff of the Pulitzer, um, if there are other political machinations going on. Uh, some of the other pieces... I kind of teased this. So some of the other pieces that premiered that year, um, if they're going to accept Martinu, they could have accepted Stravinsky's Cantata, mm -hmm. uh, which premiered in no November the previous year. Um, Elliot Carter, who we'll see, wins for almost every other string quartet <laughs> that he wrote. Yep. Didn't win for his first string quartet, which premiered in February of 1953. And then for me, if you want to talk about one of the most infamous and influential pieces, uh, John Cage's Four Minutes and 33 Seconds premiered 
in August of 1952, so in time to be considered for the Pulitzer, which of course it never of would have won the Pulitzer. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go back to the establishment of the award in 1943, they said they wanted it for a distinguished musical composition. Right, so they're not interested in historical no. uh, importance. They're not interested in a piece that's going to change music the way something like 433 was. They're interested in something that's just distinguished. But with that definition, of course, Joseph Wood yeah. could have won. Yeah, it, even in his nine-minute symphony number two in one movement, which... <laughs> <laughs> Distinguishes a vanilla enough word that <laughs> you can get you can get a yeah, lot in that definitely. word. <laughs> so it's odd. We... As we said, if you if anybody listening has some insights on this or happens to know, it would be great to let us know because it's I feel like there has to be some story there uh, somewhere in the documents or somewhere in their deliberations, especially with all of these people who on the advisory board who said no, surely one of them would have a reason why. And I don't know. It's very curious. And have yeah. written it down that we could see exactly. it 70 years exactly. later. Exactly. Right? It's very curious. So... Of these uh, awards, would you have given it to 4 minutes 33 seconds if you were on the board? Well, I would now. <laughs> if I was the same person living in 1953, yeah. I probably would have, because I really appreciate that piece. Um, but even if you're going to go for kind of a standard work, I would give it to Elliot Carter's first string quartet before sure. any of the three that were sure. actually nominated. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and as you said, we'll get to come back to Carter for two more string quartets coming up, but... Still, it's a, yeah, a, a curious thing. So I've been going along all this time up to our where we are in 1953 and then just nothing. But fortunately, they did uh, reconvene and give, give an award the following year. That's right. So that's it for this episode of Hearing the Pulitzers. Sorry we couldn't give you our normal rundown. But as always, you can find more about this project at our website, hearingthepulitzers.com, where you also find links and... Maybe we'll put up a bibliography what we can find about Joseph Wood, the first non-winner of the Pulitzer Prize. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at H Pulitzers for links and trivia between episodes. But do join us for our next episode where we'll be exploring Quincy Porter's Concerto Concertante for two pianos and orchestra. Until then, keep listening.